Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you guys so much for allowing me to be here today. My name is Jeremy, and I serve with uh, SIN Network, North American Mission Board here in San Diego. So basically, as, as your church gives, you may not even be aware of this, but you're a part of a family of churches, of thousands of churches all across the United States. And all of us coming together, we're able to partner and uh, basically do things like what we just saw with that video. That's from uh, King's Cross Church. And that's a a church plant that started just about five years ago in uh, the Pacific Beach area. And I don't know if you guys have spent much time over there, but the park where they were is Kate Sessions Park. So if you're ever in PB and you want to check out a beautiful park, Kate Sessions is a jewel. And what was so amazing, um, I started with this role. I'm I'm originally from back east and I moved here in uh, 2010. My wife and I moved here to serve in church planting and I helped to plant a, uh, uh, was on a t- as a team member for a couple churches, then sent out to plant, and then started serving with NAM in 2016. And Pastor Obed, I mean, there were so many people in the video, it's impossible to know which one. But um, he is, uh, he was originally from, born in Ghana, grew up in London, and came here to plant a church. So really interesting. He, he, he can just, his voice sounds so eloquent. He can read a phone book and it sounds incredible. So I tell him to leverage that British accent as much as he can. But uh, he was one of the first meetings that I had when I started my new role in, in uh, July of 2016. And I can remember when we launched, um, they had about 30 people on their team when they started. And um, unfortunately, uh, ups and downs. Um, Part of their story was uh, Obed's wife, Elena. Um, Her mother passed away while um, they were serving here. And for a bunch of unfortunate circumstances, she was not able to go and be with her mother um, when she passed away in England. It was a really, really hard time for them. And um, Obed had visa issues, had to go back and live in the UK for a year to work out their visa issues. Little did they, that was in January of 2020, and they were concerned, how are we going to be able to remote, you know, still stay connected with our church? Little did we know we were all going to be doing that a a few weeks later uh, in March of 2020. So uh, that's a roundabout way to say, to see that video from where we were and just weeping with a family and saying, I know God has called you. You've said that. We know he's faithful. We know he's going to move. We know he's going to work. We just, we just can't quite see it right now. We, there's adversity. There's challenge. There's difficulty. But to see that day, and I had a chance to talk to Obed on Friday, and he was so excited. He, he was uh, talking about how he was actually terrified because there were so many people. He was afraid that somebody was going to get trampled in the Easter egg hunt. They had 400 people at their, at their Easter service. 
And uh, they had over like six or seven, over 700 people that were there as part of their, their outreach. And they noticed that was something that, that no church was really doing in that area at Kate Sessions Park. And so they've kind of stumbled on this moment. And I know you guys had an amazing Easter weekend as well. Pastor Sherwood and Pastor Todd were telling me a little bit about what God has been doing here. And maybe your story is honestly not that different in the sense of what God has done over the last few years. And I say all that just as a reminder to say God is faithful. And through every season of life, he's faithful. He was faithful when um, Obed and Elena were going through some really, really tough times. He was faithful when they first got called. And, you know, there was just a heart full of faith. There was a vision of what God was going to do. There wasn't a lot of tangible, concrete results. But God is faithful. And I want to say thank you for your support, for helping to give, to pray for and support uh, church planners like Obed and his wife and their family and what God is doing. And we're, we're really excited about continuing forward in that same journey. And, and today what I want to do, just to start off, I want to just take a moment of, for us to pray together. And I'm going to read uh, Psalm 95. And I'm just going to read it and maybe just give you some prayer prompts um, quietly as we start just to get ready to, to hear the message. This, this, this psalm relates to what we're going to be talking about today. And um, I've been spending a lot of times in, in the Psalms. COVID, interestingly, sort of jumped, put me back into the Psalms. And 2023, I'm still there. There's a lot of great Psalms. So uh, just allowing God to speak to me through that. And I have found it's really helped me to get my heart right to listen to a message or, or, or to begin this time. So let, let's do this together. So I'm going to read Psalm 95. And you guys, if you want to follow along, that's great. If you just want to close your eyes, just uh, listen. Just let God speak to you in this time. Let's do that. Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. And extol him with music and song, for the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the desert, when your fathers tested and tried me though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose, whose hearts go astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Father, we come to you with joy in our hearts. And Lord, honestly, some of us, uh, maybe that's, we're having to count our lives as joy, like it says in James. Maybe there's adversity, maybe there's a difficult difficulty that we're facing, but Father, we wanna take this moment and come to you with joy and to say, you are good. You are faithful. You made all things. You hold the depths of the earth. You've got the whole world in your hands, Father. And let you know us. 
You care about us. We get to be your, your people, Father. Thank you. Thank you for bringing us back in Jesus. Thank you for the hope that we have. And today, Father, please speak to all of us right now. Speak to us, Lord. Don't let us harden our hearts when we hear your voice. Today, Lord, my biggest prayer for all of us is that we would hear your voice, that you would speak to us, speak to our hearts. Whatever you wanna do in our lives, God, we make ourselves available because we are yours. You made us. And Lord, let us humbly open our lives to you, that you would speak and move as you would desire. So Father, we just set aside any anxiety and any fears. Father, we pray against the enemy trying to discourage, to disrupt, to make excuses, to, to beat us down. Lord, we want to rest in you and your might and power. Lord, do something special in us today. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. And like that, like that psalm says, um, that idea, today if we hear, when we hear his voice, don't harden our hearts. I'll, I'll make a deal with you. Today, I want to do my best to share the, the, the word, the message that God has put on my heart. And I want you to do your best not to harden your hearts when we hear it. We'll all work together. Teamwork makes the dream work. So uh, today, I, I, the main text we'll be looking at is in Mark chapter 3, verses 7 through 19. And uh, for those of you who are... Uh, you know, regulars at church, or maybe you grew up in the church, or you've been walking with Jesus for a while. The Gospel of Mark is a like a all-time favorite, right? Uh, we've all read this, we've all heard about it. Maybe if you're new, um, the Gospel of Mark, all the Gospels are pretty much biographies that were written by people who had uh, lived a life with Jesus, did everything with him, and they had a unique opportunity to view his ministry. And Jesus called them to be his his apostles, ones who were sent out. And, and because of their writings, because of their experience, we're able to look back and, and not have every necessarily every little detail. You know, we didn't have um, iPhones, smartphones, recording. We didn't have live streams when uh, Jesus was doing Sermon on the Mount in those times. But through this, we are able to see so much information about Jesus. And, and God, is, he uses his word to, to give faith in us. So it was written for us to know Jesus, not just that we would, could know stuff about him, but that we could know Jesus. And, and we're jumping in in Mark chapter three. And at this point, Jesus has already started his ministry and he's, he has this group of followers that are with him and he is out and about, he is shaking things up. Just before this section that we're gonna look at in, in the beginning of Mark chapter three, Jesus had just healed a, a man with a, with a hurt hand on, on the Sabbath and um, had caused some controversy. And because there was basically a, a religious group of religious leaders that un unfortunately they had drifted really far from what God had originally intended. And, and it wasn't about connecting with God anymore. It was about following rules. And, and there were rules that were created that were supposed to help us follow God. But then there were rules about rules about rules about rules and just went on and on. And somehow it just turned into a lot of work <laughs> to know Jesus. There were hundreds of laws that people were supposed to follow and the regular people were just like, man, I am not good at following God. I don't have a lot of hope. And, and to be honest, there's probably a lot of people in San Diego today <laughs> that may feel the same way. They think about religion, they think about guilt, they think about weight, they think about work. They don't think about freedom. They don't think about joy. They don't, they don't think about being excited. They think about dread. 
And so Jesus is coming and he's bringing life and he's bringing hope and he's just doing, he's healing people. And it's just, it's just remarkable, incredible what's taking place. This is familiar to us because we've read it. But as we honor this text, we cannot forget how unique his ministry was and how different he was and, and how much energy he was creating. So jumping in here at verse seven, here's as we get started. It says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. So so many people, they're just pressing on him. For he had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. Verse 13, and he went up on the mountain and called to those whom he desired and they came to him and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges. That is Sons of Thunder. I always think Sons of Thunder sounds like a great wrestling tag team name. Sons of Thunder. For those of you who used to watch wrestling, I'm sure there's a few of you out there. Sons of Thunder, though. We'll talk about that more a little later. Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot and certainly last and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. So this is, this is where we are in this journey. So I just want to jump in. And, and when, I, when I teach, one of the, preach, one of the things I like to do is just give some simple ideas for you to take home. So if you think, happen to look at some notes, which I would encourage you to write some stuff down. If God speaks to you, it's not a good excuse to say, oh, Lord, I forgot. You know, take a moment, jot some notes down in your phone and, uh, or on a piece of paper, whatever that would be. And, and here's one of the main ideas when you, when you think about this text to walk away is this. Accept Jesus as he presents himself, not from popular opinion. And so as, as, as people began to realize what, what Jesus was able to do, he and his followers were overwhelmed with people who had needs. So as I said, it's, it's, if, if you've heard about the Gospels before, if you've heard about Jesus, it's normal to hear him healing people. But this is so, this is so unique, okay? It's hard to overestimate this because Jesus was healing everything. I mean, everything. Can you imagine just like obviously using some contextual examples for us, every form of cancer, Every, and I don't know if you've, if you've ever been in a moment where you go to the doctor and they sit you down and they're going to say, hey, we're, we see you having some problems. We're going to have to run some tests. And like, we, it was inconclusive. We're going to have to send you to somebody else. So, and, you know, more scans, cha-ching, you know, more money, all these types of things. Uh, sorry, we're going to have to send you somewhere else. It was inconclusive. And you go around and around. Like I said, I hope you've never been in this experience. But it is It is terrifying when something is wrong and nobody can tell you what's wrong, right? And if you, like I said, I hope you're never there, but many of you probably have, and it's a scary feeling to be in that spot. Now imagine, that's what we know now, even with all our technology, 
Imagine how much worse it was in those days. And, there were, and, and honestly, sometimes going, it wasn't like great medical, medical care was readily available. For many people as well, it was a sense of, it wasn't just that you had something wrong, but surely you did something wrong. That was once again a popular opinion by some of the religious leaders in those days, is if you're sick, man, you must be sinning. You must be doing something wrong. Not nece- and Jesus would say, not necessarily. That's not always the case. So people, when somebody that could heal, that's incredible. And what's unique about it, he healed everybody. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Like, if we would have thought, like every, you know, American culture, there's always lines. And there's, you know, there's lines for regular people. And then there's like VIP lines, right? You know, or uh, at Disneyland, you, you spend a little extra money. You get the quick queue, you know, where you can go in the fast line. You don't have to wait with everybody else. You can sign up quicker. Or there's VIP lines, right? Because we all know there's, there's you, you go, go to the concert, there's where, you know, we would sit maybe, and then there's where, if you really, really love the band, one time you would pay to go up close. And then there's the people that are famous, they get to go in the back and see all the band and everything. But Jesus, he doesn't have any of those lines. Or he, he's, he's taking everybody. And he's not charging anything. You know, I, I think the disciples, at some point, they're like, you know, we're, we're homeless. Maybe we should change our, our business model, Jesus. You know, I don't, I don't know how we're going to make this up in volume here by just healing everybody for free. And the people he's healing, many of them have been incredibly isolated because of their disease. And the people that have the worst illnesses are the ones who's coming because they have the least amount of hope. So people are just everything they can to come and find this, this Jesus, and, and by the way, this is, to me, one of the reasons why Jesus is, you look at the Gospels, it's not just that, yes, this happened, we have archaeological information, there's textual backgrounds, there's so many reasons to look at the Gospels and the Bible and know that it's real, but just look at this story. This isn't any hero that we ever see in popular media, in literature, any other, did any other hero behave like this? Nobody else behaves like this. Nobody... People would use, I mean, Jesus could have leveraged his power to create any kind of political movement he wanted to. He never did that. He was, in fact, he was telling people not to tell everybody what was going on. And we'll we'll talk about that a little more. And so Jesus, it's just the fact that he is so different because he's doing what we all know to be right, but none of us really think is possible. He's, He's showing us who God is. He's showing the compassion and it was magnetic. And people were like, we have to come and follow Jesus. And with all these needs of all these people, Jesus re- reminds himself and he models for us this, this, this perfect picture of ministry, of serving and meeting needs and blessing people. But at the same time, he stays close to the Father. And it, it, I know we, we won't have time to read the whole passage today, but jumping back in Mark chapter 1, verse 35 through 39. It says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. I love this. As I've spent some more time looking at this, had some mentors of mine recently preach on this. And I, I love this picture. Jesus is busy and there's all these people. There's lines of people. 
And, uh, you know, Peter and the, dis- the disciples that are there, they're trying to manage the line. They're like, wow, it's getting backed up. You know, what, what's going on? And they go, where's Jesus? I, I-, I thought you know where Jesus is. I don't know. Where's Jesus? I don't know where Jesus is. We got to go find him. So then they go out and they find him, you know, all by himself in this desolate place. Like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like what it says, everyone is looking for you. <laughs> I feel like the, uh, you know, the stress in his voice. I, I-, I feel it. And, uh, and at this point, Jesus, or Peter started to learn, or the disciples learned that uh, it's going to be a little different. <laughs> Get used to different with, uh, with Jesus. And he says, we're actually going to go to other towns because this is why I came, to preach the gospel, to continue the mission of my Father. And there's this balance of us staying close to Jesus and close to the Father and serving and meeting needs at the same time. We have to receive Jesus for who he is. He's he's unshakably devoted to prayer and he's meeting needs, but he will not turn away from the mission that God has called him to do. And sometimes that is going to go against what you and I would like for him to do. And that certainly went against what people in his day wanted him to do because they wanted Jesus to be kind of like Rambo, honestly, or Maximus. I'm I'm starting to realize I looked up the Gladiator reference. That that movie came out over 20 years ago. So I'm starting to feel a little old. I'm going to have to get a new... uh, a new reference, but, you know, an action hero type of guy, you know, like bustling biceps and, you know, cool catchphrases and explosions, you know, walking away as he's just taking down the Romans. That's, that's what they wanted Jesus to be. And that's sometimes they literally would forcibly try to get him and make him king. They're like, I don't care what you say, Jesus, you're going to do this for us because we want you to do this. And Jesus is like, hey, that's not how this works, guys. One day you're going to understand this. And this is actually one of the reasons why Jesus would tell people not to say who he was. Because there was so much confusion about it. They all wanted him to be Jesus Rambo, not Jesus the Savior. And they would just try to take him. And, and you know, I think even with the demons, this is why, like, anytime the demons are saying something, you know, it's like, sort of like, Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny, they're always against each other. If Bugs Bunny's asking you to do something, Elmer, you got to wonder, is that really a good thing for me to do? You know, and like with, with the demons here, if they're saying this, they're not trying to advance the cause of Jesus. They're literally using people to try to create more confusion to make things harder for Jesus. And that's why Jesus would stop them at that point, because the demons don't want to help Jesus. They're going against him. And, and, you know, at this point, I, I wonder, I wonder if sometimes there's, there's moments in our life where Jesus would like to tell us more about who he is. He'd like to open up things more about who, uh, what he wants to do in our lives and what he's doing. But, we, but he can't because we're so caught up in what we want him to do. We want to force, forcibly make him do something else. And he's just like, Jeremy, I'm not going to do that. And maybe you're going to have to have a few laps around the wilderness to learn the hard way. When I, to just let, let go and accept me for who I am, not for who you want me to be. I love John chapter 10, verses 20 through, 27 through 30. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So as we prayed, when we hear his voice, let's not harden our hearts. Let's cultivate a heart that is open 
sensitive where we realize Jesus isn't following me. We're following Jesus. And sometimes we don't even know what the game plan is because we got to go get away. We need to spend some time. We need to allow him to speak and not just bless our plans, but say, Lord, what are you doing? So in Mark 3, there's two, at least two obstacles we see to hearing God's voice and seeing Jesus for who he is. As I said, one is popular opinion and the other is a hard heart. In Mark 3, 5, when, when uh, people were so frustrated with Jesus for healing this guy on the Sabbath, it, Mark 3, 5, it says, And Jesus, and he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, and he healed the man after that point. It's never a good point to grieve the heart of God, right? It's never a good spot to anger Jesus. Hardness of heart is one of those things. It's a stiff arm. It's, it's pride. It's, a, it's blocking God's work in our lives. And it's not going to help relationships. It's not going to help anything. A hard heart, it's, it's something that we have to fight against. And Hebrews chapter 3, 12 through 15 explains, says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. You know, one of our responsibilities as people especially as followers of Jesus, is to cultivate a believing heart, a a sensitive heart to God. And, and, And we can't approach him and try to make him fit into our molds. We gotta let go of popular opinion about Jesus. And, you know, they wanted him to be, uh, the, uh, Rambo Jesus. Sometimes we want him to be something else. Maybe we want him to, we just think if, you know, if this person, if my boss was like this, or if my life was like this, or if the government was like this, fill in the blank with all the things that we like to have Jesus do. If Jesus, you just did this, everything would be so much better. Well, I think sometimes the first step is we just need to go be with Jesus some. We need to sit, we need to get close to him. And we also need to make sure, hey, maybe you're trying to tell me something and I'm, I've got my hands like this. I'm not listening. I need to soften my heart. And, and as we, allow, we see Jesus for who he is, we also need to change the way that we see ourselves and the way that we see our role. And that's a second uh, idea for us today is to seek Jesus and surrender to his role for you in his mission. And, and, and as I, it's a big shift. And I know like I just had a meeting with some of our other, uh, had a church planner training this week and we were talking about different giftings. I, there's a reason why I do what I do, right, in helping start churches. Obviously, I'm all about God's mission. And if I'm not careful, every text is about being on mission with God because <laughs> that's what I'm just so passionate about it. We want to be, uh, see all of these ideas. But honestly, here, it's about his role and his work. And there's a bunch of different ways to do that. Not everybody is gonna go plant a church. You know, some people, I, I, want, I love to tell this story. When I was in third grade, um, I can remember I was definitely had a hard heart at that time. And um, I was in school and I can remember one of my, my teachers, my third grade teacher, this was a public school. And uh, we heard something in social studies or something like that. And, and I was like, you know, 
I heard this story at, at church one time about this tower and all these people speaking these different languages. And I was like, man, it sounds ridiculous to me. I told that to my teacher and she says, you can trust God's word. You can, you can trust God to be faithful. And I still remember her name, Miss Carpenter, Mrs. Carpenter. She was a tough teacher. She was hard, but she, she took a risk and she could sense that I was curious and she, she planted a faith seed in my life. Made a big difference. Miss Carpenter didn't go plant a church, but everywhere that I go, I will never forget what she did. Some of you are going to be faithful teachers. You're going to mobilize. You're going to raise up people. And your role is wherever God calls you, the, where you need to be is where he calls you. She didn't know what, she, she just thought, well, I'm just going to be nice. This hard-headed kid, I'm going to tell him where, he, try to keep him from running his life off a cliff, help him out over here. She made a big difference in my life. All of us can do the same thing if we're where God wants us to be, if we surrender to his role in his mission, his role for us in his mission. And so Jesus, in verse 13, it says, and he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. So they came to him and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles. Apostle just means sent out ones so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. And if you think about it, this makes a lot of sense. All these people are collapsing around Jesus and Jesus says, I'm going to designate some to go out in my name and I'm going to send them out because everybody's coming into one spot. I'm going to go everywhere to the people. We're going to decentralize. And Jesus goes from chief practitioner to chief trainer as he is he's doing. And that's what we see in the Gospel of John. Jesus says, you are going to do way more things than I ever did. And as a, what, what a cool thing for Jesus and this is just why he, he's so different than normal leaders. He just gets excited about people doing things greater. He says, because I'm only going to be with you a short while. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and then it's going to get crazy. It's going to be incredible what God's going to do. That's, what, that's where you can get really excited about. But what Jesus, when, when he went away, Luke chapter 6, 12 tells us, in these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to realize there's, there's things where you look about Jesus, just like we were talking about Jesus' gifting. He is full bars everywhere, okay? For those, if you play video games or you play video games with your kids, he's what's called an overpowered character. <laughs> he's unbeatable. He's the perfect, you know, follower. He is the perfect example of who God said we should be. So we're never going to live up to Jesus, but Jesus and us, he, he, he helps us. And so some of the things that we see here, we're, we're all not going to be able to spend a, a whole night in prayer before a major decision. If you can, more power to you. But let's be real. Sometimes if we spent 30 minutes in prayer about it, that would be a major upgrade before we make a major life decision. Before we can run ultra marathons, let's just like run a 5K. Let's walk around the block a few times as we look at Jesus. And I just wonder sometimes if, we, as I said, are we really taking time to, to listen and to, and to follow Jesus's model of speaking with God and letting him speak to us? And if we aren't giving him time to speak, if we aren't spending time in his words, so it's not just about prayer even. We need to read the, the word, spend time listening to preaching, let the word in our lives, because that gives God vocabulary to speak into our lives. The word brings freedom. It brings light. 
There's issues in your life right now. I, I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm betting. If there's something that's really confusing, if you would allow God's word to shine into your life, get other brothers and sisters, trusted brothers and sisters around you, if you will humble yourself and go to some trusted brothers and sisters, it will shine light on the situation. It doesn't mean that everything's gonna be magically better in a moment's notice, but you can have greater joy and greater peace in understanding what God is doing. And we also can remove misconceptions, all of these things where we can follow Jesus' example of being close to him and, and spending time with him. John 14, 21, Jesus said, whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. The closer we get to Jesus, the more that we experience his grace, the more that we hear from him. And here's what's so cool. Uh, these next two sections, look at these 12 guys Jesus picked. And it's normal. When we, when we hear Peter we always, we, we get used to, to, uh, to that experience, but Peter was not the guy that you would have, he was a fisherman, okay? Peter was a good old Jewish guy at that time. You would never have picked him, okay? You had Matthew, a tax collector. He worked for the Romans. He was a traitor. Nobody didn't, nobody liked Matthew, like why would you pick a guy to be a leader and nobody likes him of the Jewish people? That's not a great way to get momentum. Then you have Simon the Zealot. Like Simon is like, uh, he's on the other end politically from Matthew. So he's got these two guys, they're on the same team and they don't, they don't like each other at all, right? And then you have Thomas who was consistently doubting and you know there's some great traits about doubt and asking questions, but Thomas is always that guy. Jesus is like, Thomas, just wait, man. Let me finish my point. You know, all those things. You got Thomas, all these people. He didn't pick them because of what they had to offer. He picked them because of his grace to make them examples of hope because of what he can do in them when they surrender their hearts to him. And this last, and this last point is this. is to remember Jesus takes failures and losers who follow him and changes the world. And it wasn't just that, and I'm gonna read this uh, from Acts chapter four, verse 13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. This is as uh, Peter and John were being uh, persecuted. They're being told to shut up about Jesus. And they're like, look, man, you do whatever you want. Look, I used to think the same thing too. But Jesus, he does things his way. And you can say what you want, but I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And you can just deal with it, kick rocks. But I'm going to tell you who Jesus is, and I'm going to proclaim the things that I've seen. And, he said they, and they perceived that they were uneducated common men. They were astonished. I think maybe he, they didn't have all the cool language. Maybe there were some points that didn't make sense, but there was a fire. There was a passion. And they were bold. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Remember Mark 3? They're going to be with Jesus. He was going to send them out to preach. They're going to cast out demons. And, and that changed their life. In, in verse 14, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. It's tough when you're trying to cast doubt about what people have done. And there's the proof right there. Nobody has seen these things and they just did it. It's tough to go against that one. 
And that's, that's where, where, they, where they ended up, right? But that's not where it started. And I think that's what, if we can show that slide of uh, my man Elon Musk over there. Yeah, there, there's a picture, you know. Turns out if you're a billionaire, the receding hairline goes the opposite way, right? <laughs> there's enough money, he can send people to Mars. And I'm sure Elon wouldn't mind me joking about that, you know. Try not to make fun. I, like, but, but really, like, how it started, we don't remember the 99 PayPal days. We remember wealthiest man literally like doing all kinds of crazy stuff but it's different from where it started where it is now and with Peter like he was impulsive he speaks before thinking he literally denied Jesus multiple times like he denied him and the last one was to a middle school girl who's serving because they all had a distinct accent they had a rural accent so a guy like me I can take a little comfort in that Somebody that has an accent, and they said, it's obvious, Peter, you guys talk the same. And Jesus had just told him about this, to watch out, it's coming. He says, hey, pray against temptation, it's coming. I mean, but aren't there moments in our lives where we feel like Jesus has told us 17 times, like literally, Jeremy, don't do this, this is going to be a problem, don't do this. And you're like, Lord, if you just get me out of this, promise I'll never do it again, he gets you out. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm done with that. And then like a month later, we're like, dude, what happened? How am I here again? And Peter can relate. And he was, even after that, he was still, there were times where as a leader where he had to be corrected by Paul. Peter did. But Peter was a bold leader. God saw that. And Jesus made him faithful. Right? Peter was a failure, but Jesus says, I just, I love to take failures. I take losers. And I change the world with them. Do something that nobody would ever think. Then you have John, his brother James, as I said. They, they, if you read this, it's crazy. Like when you read it, what they said. They wanted to call down fire on a Samaritan village. Like, an air, Lord, Jesus, can we call down an airstrike on these guys? They're not listening. Like, that's not very, that's like, Jesus, like, that's the opposite of what we're doing. We're not going to firebomb this place. Man, we want to tell them about, we want to give them hope. That's why they got that name Sons of Thunder, right? <laughs> Jesus like loved to, to joke a little bit with them. You could tell what, what's so cool. And, and, and then another time, James and John, they were jockeying for a position. They sent their mom. It's sort of like recruiting days these, these days with like, hey, if you don't, my son's not getting enough playing time. The mom or dad goes and talks to the coach. Hey, my, my son is great. I know this other kid. My son is great. He needs to be starting. That's basically what James and John did. They said, can he be on his right and his left? And all, this, all the other disciples get frustrated. They're just frustrated probably because they didn't think of doing the same thing. They're all mad. It doesn't look like it's going well at this point. But what happened later on with, with, with John? John was known as the apostle of love. Apostle of love. And every, it said that, I mean, you know, nothing is really built on this, but it said later in his life, at the end of his life as an old man, he would always just say, love each other. Love your neighbor. Love each other. Be faithful to Jesus. Be close to Jesus. Love each other. And as I said, Matthew, the tax collector, as I said, who sold out his own people to work for Romans, stole from his own people. He wrote a gospel that was primarily geared towards Jewish people who hated him. Like, that's crazy. Like Jesus just picks the one guy that it would not work or the one lady that it would not work. 
The first people who saw Jesus rise from the dead were women. They weren't even allowed to give testimony in those days. Like, what's going on? And then the Apostle Paul, the persecutor of the early church, was named Saul before, self-proclaimed worst of all sinners. As he said, he was boastful and arrogant in his religious efforts. It's tough to lead the church when everybody thinks you're undercover like a sting operation. We're like, we can't let Saul in because he's probably going to arrest us all. Like, this guy is crazy. We can't trust him. But he became the most prolific missionary in history. And he was so proud of his Jewishness. But the Lord says, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. The people that you didn't even want to be around. That you hated. You wouldn't touch. I'm going to send you to proclaim the goodness of Jesus. To pro- proclaim the hope of the gospel. So if, you, if there's something in your life, when you hear God speak, and you say, Lord, I don't think I can do that. I don't feel good enough. Guess what? You were in great company. I'm there. Peter, James, John, all these people, Mary, Jesus' mom, Mary, all these people. What a beautiful picture of what God does to change the world through us. The key, though, is are we going to listen to him? When we hear his voice, will we soften our hearts or will we harden our hearts? Will we say, Jesus, I don't believe because of what I can do. I believe what you can do in me. And I give my life. I surrender myself to you. And just think about Peter. He had a vision for one place. The disciples had one place one time. They didn't know they were talking to the king of kings. They didn't know that they were talking to the God that made the oceans. They're like, that's why he can control the oceans. He made it. Like if something's going wrong, hold on a second. Let me, I got this, guys. You know, that, and that when he was sitting on that boat asleep and he calmed the waves and they were, uh, they were frustrated with him. Or Jesus was frustrated with the disciples. And I, I think he was frustrated because they said, don't you care if we drown? And I just think this, this God who created all things, he cares so intimately about you. And he doesn't, but he's not, it's not always, doesn't always feel safe, but he has us. He's with us. And when you've got the king of kings with you, we're good. When we're with Jesus, we're exactly where we're called to be. So as a church, uh, as Quest Church, I just want to commend you. And we'll have the, uh, the worship band come up. And I want to give you guys just a moment as I, I've done all this talking about listening to God. I want to give you a moment to see what is God speaking to you today about? Is there something in your life that is keeping you from being close to Jesus? Is there, is, there, is there some sin? Is there some attitude? Is there some brokenness, some forgiveness, unforgiveness or bitterness that you got to let go of as God? Is there the same thing every time you're quiet? This is for us today is I think sometimes we, we're like the, the weeds from the parable of the sower, the worries of the world and deceitfulness of wealth. Just choke out the growth. We're just thinking about all this stuff. We can't be quiet. Can't listen to what God's doing. But is there something God is speaking to you about? And, uh, or, and is God calling you to step out in faith? Say, I'm, Lord, I don't know if you're going to do anything. I'm making myself available to you. I'm putting my yes on the table. If you took Peter, you took a guy that literally failed, denied you multiple times. I've denied you a few times. Then maybe there's hope for me. I give you my life. And as as Quest Church, I just want to encourage you guys in this season to take a moment, just like we did with Obed and Elena, to praise God for what he's doing. 
but to say, Lord, we, we, we are here for you. And we just don't, we, we want to keep following you because your, his mission is so much greater than just one church, than just one city. It's about all peoples everywhere. It's about raising up. It's about finding the people all around these communities that are at home, they're sleeping, they sleep in on Sunday mornings. They're not thinking about it. You run into them in the grocery stores, in the, uh, on the ball fields, in the schools. For teachers out there, maybe, maybe it's, I'm not telling you to break some laws, but maybe there's a time where God calls you to take a step of faith and to encourage some knucklehead kid, right? Because you never know what God's gonna do if we'll, if we'll give him an opportunity. Today, when you hear his voice, please don't harden your hearts. Let's put our yes on the table to whatever Jesus asks for us. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll continue in worship. Father, we, uh, we praise you as King of kings. And Lord, I'll be honest, sometimes in my life, I, I, uh, all I do is focus on the storm. And I, I forget, you made the ocean. You made all of the elements. You are Lord over all creation. And instead of trying to figure things out on my own or try to manage situations, I just need to get close to you. And I need to say, what are you speaking to me? And Lord, I just want to pray for, our, for everyone here, for those, those listening at home. Lord, whatever you want to say to us, we want to hear from you. We are your people. And even if we're not walking with you, Jesus, you created us, you made us. We were created to know you for everyone here. Lord, what are you saying to us? Just speak to us. And Lord, we thank you that you are so powerful, yet you love us and you use broken people. And you, you love us and you pick us up and you hold us. It's like a little toddler that's lost. You, as, a, as a father, you pick us up and we just latch onto you. Just wrap around your leg. We just say, Lord, we need you. Wherever you go, that's where we want to be. So, Father, just speak to us. Open our hearts to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.